Hello, everybody. This is Erica. This is Shari. And this is April. And you are now listening to Three Sykes and a Mic. Just as a disclaimer, although the contents of this show may be educational and therapeutic in nature, this should not be considered a replacement for therapy with a licensed professional. If you would like more information on how you can find a therapist in your area, please contact us on social media. All right, all right. Well, welcome back to Three Sykes and a Mic. How's everyone doing today? Doing well, doing well. How are y'all? I am doing good too. You 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 stole my word. I usually am like, I am doing well. <laughs> I probably got it from you. Well, no, because I somebody corrected me once at a young age and I said I'm doing good. I hope you're doing well. Yeah, that's that's where I got it from. My mom is the English teacher. You know, she's a teacher. It's like, no, you're doing well. You're not doing good. Um So yeah, can you say I'm, I am good? And then with the yeah. doing is doing well, but I am good. So is I, it, am is good. That I am good. Well, I don't think good does good denote a state of being. No, or it's a like, thing. Like it describes a it's thing. A thing. Like good and bad. So I'm good. I, yeah. I don't Listen. know. I just almost got a whooping for it, so I stopped saying it. <laughs> <laughs> Not a whooping. <laughs> Girl, you know, you get one of those looks like, don't be out here embarrassing me. Yeah, y'all know though. But I am well as as well, April. <laughs> well, I'm glad everyone is well. So, how are we rolling into this? Um, or how has this Memorial Weekend been for everyone so far? Anybody do anything during this COVID nineteen Memorial Weekend? <laughs> right. <laughs> I went to um my niece's birthday party Saturday. So it was a two-year-old party. I, I think I probably had more fun. This, well, no, I know I didn't have more fun. This year. <laughs> <laughs> had a ball, nice. Um, but it was good. It was my first time being around like other people. So I, at first I was like, oh. but um, it was okay. It was okay. <laughs> I, was, I was a little worried. Like I count how many folks in here. I one, two, okay, <laughs> right, <laughs> but. I had some amazing Rotel dip, and I realized I love Rotel dip. It's I good, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I should probably make some. I haven't made any since I stopped eating meat, but I could use the the crumbles. So I should definitely make the some. Trader Joe's chorizo. I bet that's really good. Oh, the yeah. Soy chorizo. The soy chorizo. That probably is delicious. You know, I love anything Trader Joe's. Um, but yeah, my Memorial Day weekend has been pretty bland. Um, usually <laughs> I try to... <laughs> get out um do things go to the lake like something Mm -hmm. um but this memorial day i have spent the entire weekend in my house on my couch watching tv but i did catch up on some things that i've been wanting to watch like i finally watched self-made which was um it was really good once i got over the fact that it's not a biopic like it's not you know just it's not a biography it's a drama it was pretty good though i enjoyed it and then i watched um lovebirds i watched that too yeah yeah that was that was funny it it gave me much needed laughs um it's a rendition of date night with steve Carell and tina fey but i thought it was pretty good so that's been my memorial day just catching up on tv doing a little chilling um at home by myself nothing too exciting what did you do erica 
Um, so I spent Memorial Weekend prepping for summer school classes because <laughs> um, I start teaching my summer classes tomorrow. Um, so I've been preparing my um, lectures, you know, with this whole coronavirus thing, you know, all of the summer classes had to be transitioned to online courses. So, um, and I don't know if people realize, but the teaching side of online classes is much more involved than, you know, being able to just go into the classroom. One, because like you basically have to have everything done ahead of time. Whereas, let me tell you, as a professor for about going on five years now, like I truly appreciate the, you know, we're about to make this up as we go kind of (laughs) (laughs) strategy. Um, So teaching online requires you to have like everything prepared and it doesn't give you flex uh, as much flexibility um to say you know what I really want to throw this in I mean you can but students be feeling some type of way when you know you start throwing in stuff that wasn't even in there as if they were keeping up with the syllabus anyway but I digress um (laughs) but that was what my weekend has looked like so been working on that and um it's been so hot um, so I've been trying to like get outside cause I like to be outdoors, but the heat has really pushed me back inside. So yeah, it's been warm. Yeah. Uneventful for me. Well, we do want to honor and show observance to Memorial Day and Mm -hmm. um, all of those who were lost in active um, military status. And so we do want to observe that and honor that and um, send our thanks for your service and families who are celebrating, people who are celebrating. We definitely want to um, appreciate and thank for service members who have passed. Absolutely. And please don't shoot fireworks. Um, I say that because I'm sitting here listening to people blow things up outside of my home and it's not pleasant. And I can only imagine how unpleasant it is for, um, you know, our veterans and those who are actively serving if they've ever been in any kind of combat situation. The sound of that is not celebratory, y'all. So I, I really, I don't know why we have adopted this as a ritual um, for these individuals who have actually been in combat situations and he- heard these things. This is not, it makes no sense to me. Um, so please, please let's, let's evolve away from the fireworks um, in relation to anything military related. Yeah. Unless it's a sparkler, you can do a sparkler. Yeah, yeah. Silent <laughs> fireworks. Yes. No. Streamers. Just get out there and do some streamers. Right. <laughs> exactly. All right. Well, glad everybody had a good week. Well, hopefully you had a good weekend, long weekend, and relaxed. If nothing else, you got some sleep and rest in. Um. So as always, since we have so much time to be at home, <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm sure I've been able to scroll all the social media applications and um because it's not really a lot going on in pop culture but social media you know it's a lot um one thing didn't talk about this beforehand but sorry you kind of made me think about it is all these facebook groups that are popping up oh my goodness. um i have maxed out i'm in two new ones and, I, and that's it though so i'm not i'm not joining another group <laughs> another business page i'm in two and that's that's it. It's so much. And the crazy thing about the Facebook algorithm rhythm is that once you join a group, 
the group posts take over your feed. So you, you got to unfollow. Yeah. Or like mute them or something. It's ridiculous. Um, so yeah, I've only joined one, which I am regretting. I literally joined it yesterday and I'm about to unfollow and step out of it today because it's too much. It's, it's far too much. Mm. There are a lot and I get it. We're bored, but, um, that's why I picked two that I think can keep me that are, that I feel like can keep me, um, what's the word busy yeah. or entertained. Yeah. And they've been doing, they definitely been doing that. Uh, <laughs> But that's it. Um, so other things, one thing that's been in the media a lot is Joe Biden's comment on um, the Breakfast Club and a lot of backlash that it's caused. And he, he later apologized. Actually, that same day, he apologized. Um, that has had my timeline on fire with the... <laughs> Um, variety of reactions to it. What about y'all? Yeah, a lot of people have had kind of the up and down reactions. Of course, like when it first happened, there was a lot of outrage. Um, like, how dare he, you know, do this? And then after that, of course, the memes started. Um, so the memes have definitely been there. But it's been the up and down. You know, some people are on one side of the extreme as far as, you know, how dare he make this comment. Other people are on the other side of the extreme, which is what do you expect? Um, what more could you expect? Um, this isn't the first time like things like this have come out of Joe Biden's mouth. Um, so it's it's been the kind of that polarizing that tends to happen when these things occur um, mm-hmm. without thinking a little bit more deeply about it. You know, people go with their first instincts. Right. And so for those of you um, who don't know the exact comment, um, Joe Biden's comment while on what was it? The Breakfast Club um, was, well, I tell you what, if you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump, then you ain't black. Go back. Can you go back? Is it showing you? what was said before then yeah there were different comments that were made um and i want to i don't want to quote the wrong person it was different commentary so i'm looking at kind of like broken up script from cnn um where they took kind of um other parts of the conversation but i think it was talking about like you know where they're pointing out just kind of like some of the things that trump has done or has said, or just kind of how he's used kind of the black people as sort of a, a political, for political gain. Um, and so I think the comment was in relation to the context of the conversation, but a lot of, you know, but some pe- places are saying that the comment, that the reaction to the comment was almost as bad as the comment itself. And I'm not sure, you know, how I feel one way or the other. I think the comment was probably not well, not probably, definitely unnecessary. And I think he did get a little too comfortable um, with the thought of, you know, Black people are going to come out and vote for me. Yeah, so um, so what happened um, is, and I, I found the transcript, because I didn't okay. I really fool with the Breakfast Club like that, um, is Joe Budden, Joe Budden, that's telling you how to Okay, <laughs> girl. <laughs> I do, uh, however, I, like Joe Budden's podcast, but we're not going to go to the left. I stand Joe Budden with a passion. I think he No, I can't stand him. A psychopath. Yeah. Or, but the podcast is... Okay, we're not going to yeah. the left. Go ahead. Transcript. So, okay. Um, so, they're wrapping up the interview. They're coming to the end, and someone says, thanks so much. Um, that's really our time. I apologize. Um... And Charlemagne says, you can't do that to black media. And Joe Biden says, I can't do that to white media and black media because my wife has to go on at six o'clock. Charlemagne says, okay. Joe Biden says, I'm in trouble. 
Charlemagne, listen, you got to come see us when you come to New York, VP Biden. Joe Biden says, I will. Charlemagne says, because it's a long way until November, we got more questions. Joe Biden responds, you got more questions, but I tell you, if you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump, then you ain't black. Charlemagne responds, it don't have nothing to do with Trump. It has to do with the fact that I want somebody for my community. I would love to see. Joe Biden responds, take a look at my record, man. I extended the voting rats. Pretty sure you didn't say rats. <laughs> 25 years. I have a record that is second to none. The NAACP has endorsed me every time I've run. I mean, come on, take a look at the record. Speaker 4 says, all right, thank you so much. I really appreciate Joe Bunn says, anyways, thanks. I will come back. Charles Mayne says, all right. So I think a couple of things happened. I think he went off script mm -hmm. um, because he was trying to exit. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. Charlemagne was kind of like pressing a little bit. Mm -hmm. I don't, for me, I didn't get racist. I thought you got too comfortable. Right. And you, and you got too comfortable and a little cocky. Now, that doesn't mean that I say, I'm saying Joe Biden is not racist. I think he's an old white man who probably has, like most older white men, some probably anti-black beliefs and they're old. So I think it's fodder for people who were already like, yeah, why Joe Biden? But I think it's also fair to critique. Like nobody is above critique. I don't care if at this point Kermit the Frog could run against Trump, and I'd be like, "All right, well, all I right, guess Kermit, I vote Kermit, for Kermit the Frog." Very liberal, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, but you know, I, I'm a fan of Kermit. Um, but um, yeah, I agree. Like, I feel like he got too comfortable. Um, and. It was a statement that I read by Dr. Napoleon Wells, who has guested a friend to the show. Um, and he talked a lot about, you know, people that we invite to the cookout. And um, after a while, you know, those people that we're inviting have this 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 notion that they, you know, I'm at the cookout so I can act like I'm at the cookout. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, you know, when we talk about like allyship and we talk about people who we allow into um, these very sacred spaces of ours mm -hmm. and they get too comfortable um, it's important for allies to always remember that you are not a part of the group <laughs> you know you are, you, you are not a part of the group you're an invited guest right parentheses around guest mm -hmm. um, that is being brought into the group and it reminds me of um Little Fires Everywhere when Kerry Washington's character said to Izzy's character and said, you don't get to be an ally without critique. Right. You don't get to be an ally and act as though you're not a part of the problem. Right. Like you're a part of the group that is the problem. Right. And so you bring that into the group. And so I think for us as a community, we have to really be um, conscious about the people that we do invite to the cookouts, you know, um, and, and or just stop inviting. Why are we always extending invites? So <laughs> no, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that, you know, stop, stop sending the invites. But if we are going to invite allies, cause I do think there's power in allyship. Like we still have to critique them. Like they, they don't get to be without critique. They don't get to be above critique. And I think we don't do that enough because it, it allows them to get comfortable. It doesn't keep them on their toes. So this is a space where I feel like it's important for us to critique his statements yeah. and critique um, how he is bringing himself to this political stance. Like you don't get to just say, remember back 50 years ago I fought for voting rights well wait a minute sir like this is this is 2020 right. like what are you doing today and that statement is not enough 
Right. And I really wish, you know, kind of what April said, instead of wanting to be invited into our spaces, how about you start gathering other allies, start creating those spaces where you all are coming together and using all this privilege that has been unearned and just given to you and use that in a way where, okay, don't it. And how about you invite us over and then ask us questions about what more can we do as allies? What are the needs that this community has that, you know, members of my group have been, you know, unfairly um, removed from your your communities, and and we can invest back into you. But instead of just wanting, I want to be a part of the, the group. No, you do your work and gather your people. Get your people. That's like one of my favorite lines. Get, Get your, people. your people. Right. Leave us alone. Like allyship don't mean we cool. Like it means that you are supportive. What is it? We don't need allies. We need accomplices. Yeah. So. I don't need you at my cookout just because you can do a TikTok dance or you understand critical race theory. Go to your community with that. And I think we, I don't know if we're, when I say we collectively, um, are so starved for white allies. And I, I've gotten to the point where I even hate the idea of allies because a lot of it is self-serving. Um, that anytime a white person speaks up or seems to be somewhat knowledgeable of the plight of black America, we welcome with open arms and kind of like, Charlie says, but we don't also have that same critique. And I, I'm honestly with Joe Biden, there's a lot of critique. So I can't even say he is, has not been critiqued because they have been giving him the business since he started. And I was one of them. He announced that he was running. I was like, why? But that's what I'm saying. We didn't critique him beforehand. Like, oh, because he was VP. Exactly. And he played, and he was a great VP. He did what a VP does. It's different when you come outside of those shadows. It's kind of like when you're on a team, you can sometimes play in the background a little bit, but then when you are now in that solo sport, all of your your limitations are now on display. Whereas when you were part of this dynamic duo, another person kind of carried him. Um, but it just, I, every time I was like, I don't even want to go to the, this hypothetical cookout anymore. Cause y'all invited they everybody. Invite There's no everybody. witness test. Literally somebody can Justin dance. Justin Timberlake was there. Who want to be in a cookout with Justin Timberlake? <laughs> well, depends if he going to sing, uh, the back 20, was it 2020? <laughs> I will go. What, what was that album? The 2020, 2020 experience. That was a good one. I, I will go. I am team I'm like, too. I'm just sorry. bringing the blue-eyed souls to the cookout. Like, come on. Now he, if he, if he entertaining, <laughs> but once he's seen, he gotta go. But no, I agree. The allies be tuning too. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> He can can tap dance. That's fine. I'm here for it. You gonna entertain me? That's fine. But you can't just be coming in eating all the potato salad and the mac and cheese. Coming in, and and I agree. Like you know, don't come to our cookout. Like go get your people. Go to your cookout. Go to your spaces because that's where we need you. We don't need you over here singing to the choir, you know. Um, And so, like April said, we don't need allies. We need accomplices. We need people who are going to engage in things that might have some negative repercussions for them, you know. Um, And so I I definitely think the critique should continue um, of him. And he should be called to the carpet to say, you know, what are you doing? What are you, how are you changing? How are you acting? How are you behaving in a way that's going to be beneficial for our community today? Not 20 years ago, right. 30 years ago. You know, what are you doing today? So right I'd now. be interested to to right. hear 
some of his remarks because he hasn't remarked on any he hasn't rebuttaled or anything right well he did apologize um okay. he did the same day like by 5 p.m his pre- they had already sent out a statement yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah well, that's well, yeah. yeah, it is. Okay. Look, I was about to say that's good, but nah, it is what it is. To be continued. To be continued. It won't be the last. Joe Biden no. has always, and that's one of the things, anyway, let's not, because this is not a political podcast. Right. It's <laughs> a long road to <laughs> November. Look. <laughs> also, uh, since we ended the Breakfast Club, this happened with the last election. Like Girl. they don't have the rain, and and not that what he said was a, was the fault of the Breakfast Club, but I just hate that that has become the pathway to young black people or the black demographic. Yeah, yeah. because nobody in that 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 circle of hosts has the range to engage in in thoughtful political discourse. And I would argue that part of the reason that he felt comfortable to say that is because he was on the Breakfast Club. If I he was on any other 100%. platform, he would have been on his P's and Q's because he 100%. knew the people on that stage would have came for him. But what Charlemagne and Angela Yeenum gonna say? Like <laughs> let me not let me call let me not call names this is not a political I, podcast it's not a political podcast <laughs> i agree 100 i think if it was angela rye or april ryan well she didn't know, but anybody else i don't think he would have gotten that comfortable but yeah i think yeah. it was the, the, the avenue the medium so yeah yeah when in rome he did like the romans he he said he was you know messy you know because that's a that that is a space and I, you know i actually like the breakfast club but i i like it because it's it's a it's a, it's a little messy right and so he got on there he got messy he did like the romans went in rome and it got real him in talk, trouble real talk it got him in a uh be a bill of trouble yes so speaking of um, your words getting you in trouble. Aisha Curry is back in some of the conversations, not a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so she recently posted a video showing off her new slim and trim body in a bikini. Um, and some of you may remember a few years back when she got almost say roasted. It was when she made a comment on Twitter um, about women showing not understanding this trend of women showing off their bodies, and she'd rather keep hers. To the one who really matters, mm-hmm. and boy, did she! Got, I think she'd been getting dragged for the last three plus years since that comment. And there were some people who used it, who's like, "See, this is how women should think." Um, and then fast forward, we have her posting a picture of herself in very little clothing on Instagram, which caused a lot of people to go, "Well, wait a minute." Mm. Wait a minute. Are, are we being hypocritical here? Um, so I'm curious to see what you all think or to hear what you all think about that. The pictures are definitely there. She is definitely clad in a bikini where you can see the tattoos and, you know, all that is not left to the imagination. It's, I mean, again, it's not, you know, overly sexualized, but it is, you know, a depiction of that is opposite of what her words said previously and i can understand why people were probably like well wait a minute sis because you (laughs) you just got on here you know telling other people to kind of keep things covered let that be left for the one who matters and things of that nature and now here you are and so i can understand why that could be a little off-putting 
for people. And I go back and forth between um, when, you know, you go back and you dig up old tweets because (laughs) some of my old tweets like, oh, I hope they never see the light of day. But um, I definitely can understand why people are like, you know, you used your speech to criticize and you know point fingers at women um who were doing this and this and this and now um you know you have your your platform to be able to say well this is my body and this is what you know I want my body to represent whereas before it was you know nope nobody gets to see that only my husband gets to see that and now it's on this major platform for everybody to see um you know, so I can I can see why people are coming for her, you know, at this point. But I also think, you know, that was years ago, you know, and when we dig up those old tweets, we limit people's ability to grow. Yeah. And we limit people's ability to change. Mm-hmm. Um, and we hold them to standards that they may have had as a young 20 something as a teenager. And I don't necessarily think that's fair. Yeah, your self-esteem, your comfort with your body, your viewpoints, um, I would hope will, will, will change with just your growth and just learning more things about who you are, learning more about being a woman, you know, and, and developing whatever your definition is of what that means to you, I would hope would grow as you grow and get older. And I think that's what has happened. And like Shari, you were saying, it does kind of eliminate the ability to take into account growth and change of perspective that people have between, you know, things that we thought five years ago versus what I think today, you know? Yeah. And I think also, and you kind of touched on this when we were talking before the show, when you don't acknowledge the growth, then it also makes it easier for people to say, well, wait a minute. Right. You yeah. know, so, cause I always say, Facebook memories keeps me humble. Yes, yes. Um, because every once in a while, because I've been on Facebook since '07, right, or '06 maybe. But anyway, '06. So there is a lot mm-hmm. <laughs> of things that I used to believe and speak out loudly about that I would be like, "Oh my god, I can," you know. But I've also acknowledged that I was wrong about these these beliefs. I, you know, was super mature back then, or I grew, I've lived life, mm-hmm. um, and I think especially when you are in the public eye yeah you have to make those amends uh, because the internet is forever like I can get away with it a little bit because ain't nobody checking for me right uh, but you know once I start this you know this deal with Oprah I'm gonna have to make <laughs> that's right <laughs> speaking as existence um is Oprah gonna make sure you know clean honey <laughs> listen i'm gonna have to acknowledge those those missteps and i think that's kind of where um where it falls now i do have an issue when people bring up tweets and stuff when, from when people were teenagers like if you were an adult and still said some of this stuff it's like okay well wait a minute but if you were like a teen then i'm like yeah half of y'all was just saying stuff for attention anyway anyway um, yeah but yeah i think there's a one of a thing my old boss used to say when I was in my twenties was because I used to be so just thought I knew everything. Mm-hmm. He would go, April, just keep on living. Mm-hmm. Just keep on oh, living. That's my grandmother's favorite phrase. Keep on living. Miss Alma. That was her thing. And I realized what she meant as I kept on living. 
Yeah. And speaking of like keeping on living, I think this like goes well into our um, topic for this episode and this this thought of maturing and growing. And I like what you said, April, about um, it's important to be able to talk about that growth period. You know, there's there's a difference between saying I once was young and now here I am. I matured without like giving any acknowledgement to that period of growth and what that looks like and how that period can be transformative for people. And so I think it'd be cool for us to talk a little bit about um starting back when we were younger, like those things that we stood on the mountain for, that we would shout shout from the mountaintops, Mm -hmm. those beliefs that we carried that now that we have matured, um, they no longer serve us and they no longer serve um, our continued growth. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that'd be a cool topic to dive into um, for us and to let the audience know that there's no shame in, you know, going from one um, belief to another, um, especially when the process of maturity has moved you from one space to a different space. Mm-hmm. Um, so are there things that you feel like you sunk from the mountaintops uh, when you were younger, younger Erica, younger April, that now you look back and you're like, where did that come from? Like what in the world? Cause that's not who I am today. Yeah. Hmm. There's, there's a number of them. So much, <laughs> so much. Like, where do we start? How much time do you, do you want this episode? It's like almost <laughs> embarrassing a little bit, too, just to kind of think about it. It is very, it's humbling. Yeah. That's why I just say it's very humbling. Yeah. That, uh, it's humbling. I, so I have always been opinionated. Always. No. Uh, <laughs> so I have always been very comfortable, in my opinion, right or wrong. So I was very, um, I would say religious growing up more more so than spiritual. Like I definitely, and I think I may have commented this on the show before. My perspective was I don't want to go to hell and I don't want my friends and people I know to go to hell. So I want to live my life in a way where I avoid going to hell. So a lot of my decisions and beliefs were from that perspective, right? So no sex into marriage. And I want all of my friends to have that value too, because I care about your soul. I'm not judging you. I just care about your soul. <laughs> so you, should, you shouldn't be cursing. You should be out here doing all these things because I care about your soul. But what it comes across as is judgmental. Right. Um, I remember damn near forcing this girl in, in eighth or ninth grade to sign an absent, abstinence pledge. <laughs> uh, like, come on, sign it, sign it. Like, you should. And this girl, oh, I listen. I don't know how people speak. You were that girl. Uh, That's hilarious. I, I was. You like, were the abstinence police, a, April. <laughs> not even the police, because I went. That was no judging. Every, she just cared about their souls. I, I cared about their the soul, soul right? Yeah. Like, I didn't go around asking people, but I, I remember there was a. Um, they were doing this campaign. Yeah. Um of true of weight yep. and they were asking people to sign cards and they were going to put, put it on up. the wall right and so how I was like, inappropriate how inappropriate how shame <laughs> junior high school so yeah. shame and, and i'm and i'm joining i'm like yes come on y'all get these cards signed sign up you can repent you can be a born again virgin god still loves you Ooh, <laughs> i love it oh my goodness <laughs> And I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm waiting until I'm married to have sex. I'm, no, I'm not about to be out here 
like you hoes and I mean I never said the word hoes but I'll definitely use it as like a moral mm-hmm. um like hierarchy mm-hmm. you know like I'm not like y'all I'm saving myself can't no, nobody say what I look like or what I've done out here and that was a badge of honor for me to be able to say that mm-hmm. yeah I think that was very much um my stance too growing up um very religious growing up very religious but I was also I was on the opposite I was judgy so April's worried about the souls. I was judging people. I was like, no, these people are good. These people are bad. Um, and from that school of thought that, you know, bad people have bad things happen to them. Hell being one of them, you know. Oh, um, and so and it came a lot from just the way that I and not saying that my um religious body like had those beliefs but it's the way my mind interpreted them Mm -hmm. and so I was very judgy growing up um judging of other people and very judging of myself and so with that came a lot of shame Mm -hmm. or like thoughts or like actions and things like that and that was one of the things that I was able to shed as I grew up and matured um and understanding that you know, this just world belief, good things happen to good people, bad things happen to bad people, um, is not a full picture of the world and how things actually happen. Mm -hmm. And so I was very much on that. I always say moral oral train, you know, (laughs) Um, these are the morals and this is the way we should be um, without giving much thought into the world and like uh, the world and all the experiences that happen within the world. Um, So that was one thing that I had to shed. Mm -hmm. It's funny that um, it seems like a lot of the things that we held onto were based in some part from some type of biblical or faith based thing. Um, Because as I was thinking about mine, mine is around this idea of, the expectations of being a woman and what that looks like and the idea of submission and the man being in charge and all those kinds of things. Yeah. And, and I think for me, um, I always kind of had this whole like, um, no, it's, it's not going to be about anybody else but me. I had a very kind of selfish, egocentric <laughs> kind of way of thinking. Um, and I also, um, treated people particularly males in that particular way um I think I grew up in a family where you know the women were very strong but um I also was conflicted in knowing that these women were very strong but they allowed the men to kind of lead and sort of you know make decisions and knowing that sometimes the decisions that they made the women were not on board with but they you know they allowed the man to lead and I was like "Uh uh-uh wait a minute um why are we doing this? You don't even want to do that. Like, and I just, I think I took that in as like, oh no, uh-uh, I don't, I don't want to be that woman. Like that's so weak and blah, blah, blah. And I think I incorporated that. Well, well then I'm going to be the opposite of that. Like, can't no man tell me nothing. I'm not going to be following no man. Like I'm going to make my own decisions. Da, 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 da. And it just kind of led to this whole like overly independent, I am woman, hear me roar. And even above that, I'm going to crush. <laughs> it's it's less of like, you're not only are you not going to leave me, you're going to be behind me. 
Um, and I definitely had to kind of change that viewpoint and just from maturity and growth and learning like, no, ma'am, that is not what <laughs> what any of that meant. But I think it also created a lot of problems for me in relationships and how I interacted with with men because of that mindset. Another area for me was surrounding around like beauty standards and what was considered beautiful. Um, And I talked about this on our self-esteem episode when talking about just my body, my, the view of my body. Mm. Um, I've always been um, a chunky girl. Um, That's my word that I use to describe. That's my word of endearment that I use to describe my body. Um, But I've always been um, larger in weight than my friends. And so um, I had a lot of distorted views around what that meant for me Mm -hmm. um, and who I had to be. Um, Did I have to be the funny friend? Um, Did I have to be the smart one? Um, Because I couldn't, in my mind at that time, I couldn't be the beautiful one. I wasn't the pretty one. I wasn't that one. So I had to fill these other roles. And so as I started to mature and grow into my body and grow into loving my body um, and loving kind of this package that I moved through the world in, um, it definitely, I had to shed so much about what's beautiful, what's desirable, what's sexy, and basically just what is worth being in this world, you know? Um, And so that's one, and I got messages from so many different places growing up and I had to mute a lot of those messages and start to kind of feed myself my own messages or, you know, listen to messages who were more in line with where I wanted to be, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So that was a big one for me, just beauty standards, body standards, um, what is acceptable, what's worthy, um, and moving forward in that space. That's real. I think one thing as Erica was speaking made me think of where I had to grow or, or mature in my thinking or change in my thinking was just gender roles in general. Yeah. Um, and I've always been one to kind of challenge the notion of what men and women were like just double standards, like from a kid. But as I got older, I really reject, I began to reject this idea of these natural roles and natural laws of order and submission. I was like, oh, this is bullshit. Yeah. A lot of this stuff is designed socially and we have created narratives around it, which is why it doesn't work because you're, you're forcing people into roles that they may not even want or even understand what it means. Mm -hmm. So, um, Kind of similar to Erica's experience, I definitely grew up and from the things I saw, knew what type of woman I did not want to be. Yeah. Um, but I, I expanded it a little more into kind of going into the why. Like, why was that even yeah. in place? So as I, I began to think about it more in context instead of judging right. those women for doing those things. So I think that's where I've matured and I still have to work on it because I can be self-righteous <laughs> is trying to understand people's perspectives of well, why? And I do operate, not do operate, I try my best to operate from the perspective that people are doing the best they can, that most people don't go around intentionally being assholes right. or jerks or in bad situations. Like for the most part, people are doing the best they can with what they have. So trying to understand, well, what the why, yeah, why, you know, behind what causes it, um, it's shifted kind of how I see the world and just also understand that everything ain't for everybody. Yeah. So what works for me is fine, 
And that doesn't have to work for the next person. I don't have to convert them. And they definitely don't have to convert you. Because <laughs> that, that ain't working. Um, and just being okay with people doing what's for them. as long, Like I said, as long as you ain't trying to pull me to your side, we're good. Um, yeah. yeah. So I think that's another area where I grew in how I thought about it. In those areas that we've talked about, like, what do you think propelled you to start to grow in those areas? Were there things like periods or experiences that kind of propelled your growth or started you in the path of moving or maturing through those things? For me, um, so I I can remember very vividly, I, I have a very close relationship with my mom. And I remember, you know, growing up, you know, again, kind of having this whole idea about like women and their roles and, you know, the idea of motherhood and, you know, being a wife and all those things. And I remember um, being seven years old, I think it was seven or eight. And I was riding in the car with my mom. And I remember saying, when I'm old enough, I'm getting my tubes tied. And my mom looked at me like, and what does that mean? What, What does that mean to get your tubes tied? And I just remember saying, I don't know what it means. I said, but all I know is it means when you get your tube tied, you cannot have kids. And I do not want to have any kids. And I'm seven. I don't know nothing about, I don't know nothing about nothing when it comes to no babies. How do you know about tubes at seven? Look, this young girl had her ears to the wall all the time. <laughs> I know for all you parents who think these kids are not listening, we are taking it all in. We may not know what you're talking about, but we are taking it all in. But somebody somewhere had a conversation <laughs> about getting your tubes tied and not having any more children. And I was like, oh, girl, I don't know what that is, but that is for me. She don't want no kids. And so I, throughout my life growing up, that was just, that was the theme in my head. Like, I don't want to be a mother. I don't want to have children. And when I got older, I think I remember remember having a conversation with my mom and just kind of trying to figure out like, well, what was it? And I remember talking to my mom and saying, I felt like she was a sacrificial parent. And I felt like she sacrificed a lot of the things that she wanted or she put a lot of things on hold to be a mother and a wife. And, and I think she did a beautiful, amazing job, but I often looked at it and felt like, dang, like I know, like, and don't get me wrong. She ended up still doing all the things that she wanted to do. She just had to do it in a different timeline. Um, And so like my mom is my superhero because she still was able to do all the things that she wanted even though she was a mother and a wife. But I remember talking to her and saying, like, I always felt like if being a mother meant that I had to lose myself during the time that I had to be actively involved, you know, as a parent, then I don't want to do that because I don't want to lose myself. I don't want to feel like I am no longer important and my children have to be more important than me. And I felt like, the messages that were sent were that you, if you invest more energy or any real energy in yourself when you're a mother, then you're selfish. And so I said, well, I don't want to be considered selfish, but I also want to be able to put the thing, my needs in my life and God put me on this earth to do for a purpose. I feel, I want to feel like I can do my purpose. And I felt like once I had children, I wasn't allowed to focus on my purpose. And after having that conversation, 
you know, and talking to her and like, I don't have to be that sacrificial parent. She didn't, she did not see herself as a sacrificial parent. The things that she did as a parent, she did because that's what she wanted to do as a parent. Mm -hmm. And it didn't always necessarily bring her joy in one sense, but it brought her joy in another sense that her children were taken care of and provided for and those types of things. And so once I learned that like being a parent, I could define what that looks like for me. Um, Then my thoughts about, okay, well, you know what? Maybe it, it isn't just that simplified idea that I had when I was seven, <laughs> you know, that I continued on into my teenage years. Um, you know, it evolved, but it yeah. required me to talk through those things and get more perspective from the people who were actually living that experience. Yeah, yeah, that's dope. I think what shifted for me is I never wanted to hurt people's feelings. Still, like, the thought of knowing that I've said something that, well, unintentionally, like, if you piss me off, I don't care. <laughs> uh, but even... And I, but even then, I have to really not like you to not care about yeah. hurting your feelings. Like you have to be a horrible person to the core. So even people I have strong disagreements with, even if it's like a back and forth type of thing, after the fact, I'm like, dang, I wonder if I was too, like, too harsh. I don't want them to think. You know, <laughs> and like, well, sometimes like, Lila, no, I'm not mad. I'm not mad because I don't want you to be mad at me for it. So what shifted is that I was hurting people's feelings. Or making them feel bad. And that's not what I wanted, right? Because my goal was I'm trying to save your soul. <laughs> but in my quest to save your soul and just, you know, want you to have a great life and afterlife, I'm actually hurting you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And once I started getting that feedback, it was like, well, I don't want to be that person. And I didn't like, um, I think I said this before, I had gotten the nickname of being the mom mm. to my group of friends. And some of it was because I've always just had an old soul. Mm-hmm. So some of it was from that perspective. Um, and other was because I was the cautious one. Mm-hmm. I was the, where are we going? What time are we getting back? Who there? Who is that boy you talking to? Do you know anything about him? You don't need to be like, I Ooh. was that person of you going with who? Okay. I need his name. I need his phone. Right. I need you to call me at this time. If you're not that, <laughs> I'm sending the police over. Okay. You know, and when someone, and this was an undergrad, I'm all of eight and I was the youngest, mm-hmm. all, of, all of 17, 18, telling people to make sure that they call me. You call me. <laughs> right. Make sure you get home safe. Um, and I was like, well, I don't, I'm not your mom. I ain't nobody's mom. Like I still, you know, I want to be included on things. So I think those two, um, and I remember my line sister made a comment. She was telling me like, April, you can't measure everybody else using your own yardstick. Mm -hmm. And that was super helpful because it it kind of called back to what I said before about my beliefs are my beliefs. Mm -hmm. Um, and People don't have to march to the beat of my drum. Mm-hmm. As long as you're not yeah. harming somebody else, do you? Um, and I remember one particular point where I grew, I think, a lot was on like sexuality and gender. Part of it was just knowledge, yeah, like being educated on it. And then when in my master's program, one of my cohort members um, was a bisexual woman, and it was the first time I'd ever met an openly. I'm pretty sure I met plenty of bisexual women but it was my first time like being friends with one and like talking about like her sexual experiences and I'm like what y'all do what (laughs) 
Um, <laughs> and I remember once we were in class and I said, you know, I kind of, I feel a little conflicted. Like my, my faith says this, but I think you're a dope person. Like I like you, you are, you know, and, and she responded in a way that was so kind. And that was just like, you just need to see me. That's it. You don't need to worry about yeah. what I do. And that has nothing. She's like, I have my personal faith too. And it was just like the conversation we were had, it kind of made, started making me think about what I've been taught. So it kind of goes back to that whole idea. I didn't want to hurt her right. or make her think that I looked at her yeah. differently. So I had to wrestle with that conflict. That wasn't hers to bear. That wasn't for her to right. convince me, you know, yeah. um, so that's what made me start thinking and rethinking a lot of things that I've been taught. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. And I think, you know, for me, like as far as like the judgment piece, I started to kind of like you said, April, realize that um, there's more than one way to skin a cat <laughs> mm-hmm. in a sense, like, like understanding that my beliefs are my beliefs and other people's beliefs have nothing to do with me. And so being able to stop interjecting myself on people's beliefs and behaviors, um, when I had no prerogative to do so. Um, so that was something that really helped me to start to decrease the judgment, um, because the judgment was never, verbalized it was always in my head it was always kind of like that's not that's not how I would do it you know Mm -hmm. um and so I realized that that was not fair like it wasn't just a fair way to treat people around me it wasn't a fair way to to think of people and it was really limiting like it limits so much experience that is a part of the human condition um and I think that journey started when I went to graduate school and, you know, in our counseling programs, we have to do like all of these self-awareness experience, yeah. like projects and papers and go to therapy and all of these things. And it really helped me to start to be a little bit more self-aware of myself and to realize that I was being very unfair to people who I didn't even know, you know, groups of people who had nothing to do with my life, who had completely different experiences, which ended and led them down different paths. Um, and so that judgment piece started to change at that point. Um, as far as like my, my beliefs about body image and, and beauty, um, that started to change along the way. I think that actually continues to change. Like that's the one that has stuck with me the longest, um, and starts to like, evolve and still is evolving. Um, and I think that that changes changed when I started to understand that I could define for myself what my body meant and, and my own perception of how I showed up in the world, um, without hearing or listening to other, other people or, or, you know, beauty standards or, you know, like I remember one experience was, um, going to a store and trying on clothes and being like, oh, wow. Like this, the number in the clothes don't matter, you know, because, in this other store, I can wear this number, but in this store, this number fits. And so at that time, and I was probably, um, in college and I, and I finally started to realize like, oh, these numbers are arbitrary. Like, 
this is not even, this is not even a real thing. You know, that was the first time I actually started to put two and two together that a 10 here is a 10 that's different, you know, or a 16 is an 18 in this other store. And so understanding that and starting to kind of develop my own thoughts around what my body looks like and what my body could do in this world, that was a part of my maturing process. Um, And at this stage, I'm in a space of instead of saying, oh, you know, this is how my body shows up, um, moving into the process of this is what my body can do. Right. And so like with working out, like I'm a big gym person. And so typically people are like, oh, you're working out because you want to change how your body looks. And I'm like, no, like I work out because I want to push what my body can do. Mm -hmm. I want to celebrate what my body can do. Like, I think it's amazing for my body to be able to carry me um, up this mountain when my lungs feel like they're about to collapse, you know, like, (laughs) like these are things that I am exploring with my body in a way that I never thought I would before. And so that's something that, um, like I said, that process is constantly evolving and constantly changing. So yeah, that's that's dope. And body image stuff is always the hardest to to shift because it's embedded from so hard, you know, so young, and you have so many um, messages even to this day. And yeah, my my not comparing struggles, but it has been an area that I've also struggled with, and I find myself being very hypersensitive to people's conversations around bodies where I try to like not even get into like when people are on their fitness journeys if it's too focused on like I like I get tired of hearing about people worried about gaining weight over mm-hmm. pandemics I'm like y'all I promise it's deeper than that like mm-hmm. do you care about a look or do you care about a size and part of that frustration for me is because it's something that I am continuously like battling with, mm-hmm. which kind of goes to Shari's initial question when you open up this conversation, um, is a lo- realizing that a lot of the stuff that I responded to in other people were things that I was also struggling dealing yeah. with. And it's much yeah. easier to point out, you know, the, the, the speck in your eye than deal with the or mm-hmm. <laughs> the board in my own. Um, and so being able to realize when certain things like stir up very strong reactions to be able to pause and say, okay, wait a minute, what's going on with you? Right. But that bothers you so much. And why is what they're doing? That's dope. You know, why is it, why do you care? Yeah. Or why is it affecting you so much? And being able to kind of like dig through that. Right. It's been helpful. That's amazing. Um, being able to hold up that mirror to yourself. Um, yes. Yes. I think that's amazing. I think that's the piece when we talk about maturing we talk about maturity is the self-awareness piece, like being able to say, if it's something that I am standing on that mountain for, um, why? Like just, just taking a little bit of time to ask the why, like, where is that coming from? Why are you so gung ho on that mountain? Um, and what does that have to do with you? Um, cause oftentimes we point it outward and we say, I'm on this mountain because other people need to learn mm-hmm. other people should da, 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 when it's like well no bring it in work you know what what is going on with you um so much of that growing is through self-awareness that's a good piece nice so just want to encourage our listeners to you know be self-reflective you know look at some of the things that maybe you thought um, one way, what are some things that you were really strongly uh, thought strongly about that you have had to grow and mature from or think about things that maybe you need to mature from start to have that strong 
look at yourself and start to reflect and do some personal growth work for sure. I like it. Well, we are now at the point where we want to um, start wrapping things up. And But before we go, we always like to send our love out to person, place, thing, entity, energy, whatever it is that we want to direct our love to. Um, so we are going to um, start there. Anybody want to take the lead? Anybody have something or someone that they want to send their love to this is getting much harder during the time of the pandemic i'm realizing that for me i'll say for me i've been i've been trying to go with like what's made me smile and if i keep it there is easy like what has brought me joy what has made me smile Um, so i will send my love out to my friend marion who threw her twitter (laughs) the birthday party and made a rotel dip as as Actually, you know, I have another one too. Um, there's been another wave of people who've lost um, parents um, this week on my friends list, and I just I I know it's cliche to say I can't imagine, but it's another layer when you can't mourn and grieve and lay to rest like you normally would. So I'm I'm sending my love out to all those who have experienced um, the significant loss, as well as celebrating the new lives and celebrating another year of life for those who have been able to celebrate that too. Mm-hmm. I think I'm going to send my love out to um, my dad um, as it, I think about, um, you know, as the wedding, as the wedding approaches, I know that it's a very exciting time for me, but it's an also very emotional time for my dad, which I'm, I'm hearing little things from my mom that my dad is having a little bit of a hard time thinking about letting me go so I want to send my love to my dad um I told my mom was like he doesn't have to give me away he can just share me (laughs) (laughs) although I do know that biblically that is not what is supposed to happen so um we're gonna take these next 30 days where I think we're at the 31 day mark from the actual day um, so going to take this time to send lots and lots and lots of love to my dad. So he knows that he is not leaving me. He is just delivering me into capable hands. So send him my love to him. <laughs> I want to send my love to my brother and sister who have indulged me in my group text messages this week. Um, I've really been missing my family. It's It's extremely hard to be in a pandemic where you cannot go and see your family. Um, and I know a lot of people are in that space. And so I want to send my love to my brother and sister. We typically are not the group chat family. Um, we'll do three-way calls, but my sister, she hates group chats. And so I want to um, send my love to them for um, tolerating my text messages throughout the day and texting me back and sending pictures and stuff like that. So um, thank y'all. I love y'all and I miss y'all so much. <laughs> <laughs> nice nice shout out to all the, the families out there dealing with this distance um well thank you all for listening and and hanging on <laughs> with us we went a little longer this episode was, was very fruitful yeah it was. Got a good, good conversation um, and let us know what you think let us know what you have had to kind of grow out of or grow into um and let us know you can email us at three sites in the mic at gmail Dot com. You can find us on Facebook at Three Sites and a Mic, as well as on Instagram at Three Sites and a Mic. 
always, please like, subscribe, and share our podcast to your friends and family members who you think would benefit. And also, thank you to those who tuned in and joined us on our live. Um, we did a Facebook Live recently where we talked about friendships, specifically around Insecure with Issa and Molly, but just talking in general about adult friendships and dealing with conflict. Had a lot of good engagement and participation, and we hope to do that again soon. So thank you for that. Thank you for listening and rocking with us. Yay. Have a good one. Bye. Bye. <laughs>